Welcome to Mark Connor's podcast. This two-part series is a brief summary of Mark's recent book on this important topic. Visit markconnor.com.au for details. Today we want to move on and look at the expense side of uh, managing our finances well. And to do so, we need a plan for doing three things. A plan for giving, for saving, and for spending. If we're not careful, all we do uh, is spend our money, but we need to also save and we also need to give. And so I'm going to share with you today a very simple plan that uh, I've used in my life for many, many years. Uh, I've taught many, many people and it's benefited them. And it's called the 10-10-80 plan. Very, very simple, very basic. It's a good starting point. Some of you might already be doing this. Maybe for some of you, this is new. So 10-10-80 plan. Let's unpack this. The first 10%, as you receive in Income. You might get some royalties or a, a pension or a paycheck. As you receive income, the first thing is to give 10% to God. Uh, Proverbs 3, 9 to 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits, not the leftovers, the first fruits of all your crops. This was an agricultural society. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And so God is the one who gives us the very breath that we breathe. He's the one that gives us our abilities and our talents. He provides work for us, our income. And so we want to honor him. In the Old Testament, this is referred to as tithing, giving a tenth, a tithe of our income. In fact, there are numbers of tithes. And Pastor Rob has a great blog post called The Ancient art or practice of tithing. So uh, check that out uh, if you'd like to know a bit more about the Old Testament laws. But when you come into the New Testament, um, there's a shift from tithing or giving 10% to generous giving and this understanding that all we have actually belongs to God. How many know you can't sing, I surrender 10%, I surrender 10%, 10 10%. Oh, no, that doesn't really work, does it? You know, uh, Really, all we have belongs to God. It comes from Him. It belongs to Him. And so a tithe, a 10%, is simply a reminder that in God we trust. Not in money we trust, but in God we trust. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't taken that step, just make it a habit to consistently give a tenth to God and His work. Number two, the second 10 in our 1080 plan is to save 10%. Uh, you've earned your money, you got up in the morning, you went to work, honor God, but why not pay yourself? Look at this proverb, Proverbs 21 verse 20 in the NIV says, The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. The Living Bible says, The wise person saves for the future, but the foolish person spends whatever they get. How many would like to be wise? About 50, 55. How many would like to be fools? No fools in the room. Just think of this proverb. This was written 3,000 years ago. And it says, the wise stores or saves up for the future. The fool spends all that they have. That's not me. That's the inspired scripture saying if you're spending all that you have, you're actually being foolish. If you're saving, you're smart. You're being wise. In fact, as you read through the book of Proverbs, this is a major emphasis. Look at this one in Proverbs 6, verse 6 to 11. Take a lesson from the ants. Anyone looked at an ant lately? 
Hopefully you didn't stand on one. Uh, Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and be wise. They have no prince, no governor, no ruler, no senior pastor to make them work. But they labor hard all summer, gathering or saving food for the winter. This is amazing. How many know ants have very small bodies? Very small brains, but they're very smart. During the summer, they save. Everyone say save. They save and store up in the summer. So when winter comes, an economic downturn in Ansylvania, (laughs) work with me, they save in the summer. So when winter comes, they have more than enough. Humans have big bodies and big brains, but sometimes we're not as smart as the ants. Proverbs would be saying, if you're spending all that you're earning, you're actually being foolish. Make sure that you save for the future. The number one money problem today is spending more than we earn. It's got nothing to do with the the numbers. You may be on a half a million dollar salary today. God bless you. Uh, Or you may be getting 40,000. It doesn't matter what your salary is. If you're spending more than you're earning, then you're going into debt and often that becomes destructive. And so make a decision not just to be a giver, but to be a saver. The number one key to financial freedom is to spend less than you earn, then save and invest the difference over a long period of time. If you'll do that, if you'll spend less than you earn and then save, that is the key and that is the road toward financial freedom. Uh, Investments are where we get our money working for us. Saving is putting some money aside, hopefully getting a bit of interest, not huge amounts of interest nowadays. Uh, Investing is where we get our money working for us, maybe through an investment property or a share portfolio or business uh, investment. And so uh, investments can be very, very helpful. Again, we need to be very wise in choosing our investments. Ecclesiastes 5, 13 to 14. Here's a serious problem I've seen in the world. Riches are sometimes hoarded to the harm of the saver, or they are put into risky investments that turn sour, and everything is lost, and in the end, there's nothing left to pass on to one's children. What amazing wisdom from the Scriptures. Uh, if you don't understand the investment, then you know, don't invest in it. Uh, Nicole and I, early, uh, let me share, I'll, I'll share a few of our uh, lessons, and as I share this, uh, it reminds me of the story of a successful businessman. And uh, a young person went and said, uh, so what's the key to your success? And he said, good decisions. And then the young person said, okay, good decisions. How, how do you make good decisions? And the businessman said, experience. And then the young man wrote down experience. And, and then he said, how do you get experience? And the businessman said, bad decisions. <laughs> Life's a little bit like that, isn't it? Nicole and I were just married a couple of years. We we're both on full-time wage. We had a bit of money coming through. We had a friend who was uh, kind of a builder, and he was doing this apartment block, and he offered us an off-the-plan investment. Sounded really, really good, so we had, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. And so we bought this off-the-plan apartment. And uh, Anyway, we didn't read the fine print. Anyone? Maybe you've not done this, so just confession time. In the second year, there was a little lift maintenance fee that kicked in for $8,000. 
Now, 30 years ago, how many know 8,000 is a lot of money now? 30 years ago, that was a lot of money. It's interesting, it wasn't in the first year, but in the second year, every year, there's this kind of little $8,000 fee that totally tipped this investment over for us, and we actually couldn't sustain it. And so we ended up having to sell the property. We made a lot, we lost thousands of dollars, and it took us a few years to recover from that investment decision that we got into just without really understanding what we're doing. Now, I'm not saying don't invest. I'm just saying if you don't understand it, make sure you get advice and counsel. And if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And so investments are great, but do the research, get the advice so that you don't make some of the mistakes that are so easily made. And then number three in our plan, so number 10, 10, 80, give God 10%, his work in the world, save 10%, and then use the rest of the money, 80% or less, for your living expenses. You've honored God, you've saved for yourself, this is your food, clothing, housing, transport, all the other expenses in our life. Uh, the, the key here on this 80% is to avoid what I call major budget busters. And the number one budget buster in our world today is something called impulse buying. Impulse buying is when we buy things on the spur of the moment, motivated by emotion, emotion rather than logic. Okay, None of you in this room have done it, but I'm just talking about other people so you can just understand how humans work. Impulse buying is when we buy something on the spur of the moment and we really don't need it. Some of us, our heart starts beating faster at the very sight of the word sale. <laughs> Two for the price of one. Twelve months, interest-free, a revolving red light in the shopping center. You know, if you buy something you don't need on sale, how many know you didn't save money? If something's $100 down to $50 and you say, hey, I saved 50. No, no, you just spent $50. It's called impulse buying. Statistically, research tells us that women do this far more frequently than men. Amen. <laughs> Guys just came in right there. <laughs> women do this far more frequently than men, but men do it with larger amounts. Did you feel the room there? I lost the women, and then they came back in force. <laughs> now, no elbows. There is a marriage seminar coming a little later. <laughs> it's true. You know, men on average have $450 more on their credit card than women. So, uh, guys, you know, the, the, the pair of shoes your wife just bought, probably not going to bust the budget, but that new huge TV stereo thingamabob you bought just might. Just look straight ahead. No one will notice. No one will notice. Just because you can afford it doesn't mean you should buy it. Often we're buying stuff we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. And so this is dangerous. Again, how do I know all this? Experience. Um, many, many years ago, earlier on in our marriage, we needed a barbecue. And so I went shopping for a barbecue with my wife, and there was a huge sale on. And I came home with the barbecue, with all the bells and whistles, and I ended up buying a heater, you know, with the gas, uh, you know, fueling for those cold Melbourne nights and all the accessories. I had the barbecue, and I was very excited. See, at that time, we had a bit of money in the bank. 
But the next month, we had a few unexpected bills came in, and that barbecues galore moment, it took us over a year to recover from me actually buying and spending far more than we actually needed. In fact, in our marriage, uh, we're 32 years now, Nicole and I, we still have a little phrase. When we're about to do something, we go, let's not do a barbecue galores moment. (laughs) Like this is, this is like language in our family now because we go, remember that? We just needed a barbecue and we went, ah! And then we, we actually paid for it. It took us many, many months to recover from that overspend. I'm talking to someone in the room today. And so we've got to watch those budget busters. You know, there's an entire industry dedicated to making you dissatisfied with what you have now. It's called the advertising industry. God bless all you marketers there. You know, Jesus said to his disciples, I'm sending you out as sheep amongst wolves. That was a missional comment, but it's also relevant when you go shopping. Because everyone out there wants your money. They want to let you know that what you have now is not good enough. It's not fast enough. It's not cool enough. And if you'll buy this, life will be better. And how many know that's true? No, material stuff always oversells itself and rarely delivers. And so we've got to be wise. If we're going to keep this within 80%, then we've got to make sure we're on guard against impulse spending. Now, as you look at this 10-10-80, some of you are going, yeah, yeah, doing that or could do that. Some of you are going, I couldn't make that work. And if you can't make this work, you've got two options. Firstly, earn some more money. Work a bit of overtime, take on a part-time job, uh, upskill yourself and get a promotion. You could get more money in if you're struggling to make this work. But how many know those decisions actually have ramifications? So think about how much you want to work. The only other option, if you can't make this work, is to reduce your expenses, to downsize your living standard to your earning Uh, earning amounts. Here's a fascinating verse in the book of Ecclesiastes. Better one handful. Everyone say one. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls. Everyone say two. Two handfuls with chasing the wind and with toil. This, I think, is, is unbelievably wise. Better have one with peace and joy and a sense of well-being, than to have two, twice as much, with all of the stress and pressure that comes with it. This was, again, written probably about 3,000 years ago. Uh, anyone, have heard, anyone heard of the minimalist movement? Uh, just, just go to Dr. Google and type in minimalist. There's an entire movement out there that's just going, this continual accumulation of stuff is actually killing us. You know, most of us have double garages, but we don't even fit our cars in there because we've got so much stuff in there. You know, one of the fastest growing businesses right now is the self-storage business because our houses aren't big enough for all this stuff, so we need another place to store our stuff. The minimalist movement is actually saying maybe less is more. And that's what this Bible verse is telling us. You may be better to actually have less and have some more joy and less pressure. I was teaching this to the last church I was pastoring at uh, many years ago. And uh, after the meeting, I was just standing around at the front. And and this couple came up, and I recognized the lady. She was a regular attender at our church. And she says, oh, this is my husband. It's his first time at church. He's not a Christian. And I'm thinking, I've just spoken on money. What's going to come next? Uh, But they actually said, you spoke right to us today. 
We're living in this huge house. We're both working full time and we can barely pay the mortgage and we're having so many arguments about money. Just a little sideline. You know, most marriages split up today. Number two cause is financial pressure and conflict. And so they said, we were challenged by what you said here. I didn't tell them what to do. I said, I just prayed for them that they'd have courage and wisdom to make the decisions they needed to make. A few months later, I saw them again, and they had smiles on their faces. and said, hey, what's happening? Well, uh, firstly, he'd become a Christian, and so we're excited that he'd come to know Jesus personally in his own life. But they had sold their house, and they had downsized and bought a house half the size with a very small mortgage. She was now working part-time, and they were starting a family. And the joy on their face. Because they realize that less can actually be more. And so maybe for some of you, look at that 10, 10, 80. I couldn't do that. I need, I need to spend all this. I couldn't really give. I couldn't really save. Well, maybe your solution is not earning more money. Maybe it's reducing your expenses, downsizing, minimalizing what's happening in your world. And so it, it may take some time, but a, a plan like this is the path to financial freedom. Um, Nicole and I have done this for 30 plus years. Our kids have done this in their 20s now and all putting a deposit on a house. And this has worked. I did this in my last church. We gave at least 10% to ministries outside the church. We always saved every year. We tried to keep our expenses within the budget of what was coming in. I can tell you many businesses that use this. I can tell you stories of people that heard this for the first time that were in tens of thousands of dollars of debt. But a few years later, we're actually free from that debt. It's very, very simple. Of course, notice it's not the 80-10-10 plan. If you do your spending first, you'll probably have nothing left to give and nothing less to say. The order's important. Get God first in your life. Make it a decision to save and then spend. And you don't have to stay here. You can move to 15 15 70. We talked about Warren Buffett last year, last year, last week, who gives away 99% of his income. Again, when you're on $87 billion a year, or total net worth, that might sound a little easy, but he did start somewhere. And so this is just a starting point. It's actually really simple. A 10-year-old could do this, but it actually takes courage to make the decisions we need to put this in place. And so my motive in this two-part series is to help you. I'm not sharing this because Bayside is desperate for money. Uh, Bayside's healthy financially. Uh, Again, Bayside could always use some more money. So if you've got some spare money floating around, um, wondering what to do with it, uh, we can do more ministry with more resources coming in. And so, yes, give generously. But this series is not just about giving. It's about managing all of your finance as well. And so I wonder today what your response is to today's message Uh, Maybe for some of you, it's, yeah, fantastic. You're doing this. And if so, I want to say, well done. Uh, Be a blessing to others. Teach others. Or or maybe for you, if you're honest, you say, I think I've got to make a few changes. Maybe you haven't got into that giving space yet. Or maybe you give occasionally when there's a little left over. Maybe that's your decision today. Or maybe you're giving, but, but you haven't actually saved. Saving creates freedom. It allows you to be able to handle an emergency should it happen. It creates joy, and it gives you the opportunity to give. Pastor Rob mentioned a mission trip. You may have a heart to go to Africa, but if you haven't saved any money, you won't be able to do that. 
And so saving is such a blessing. Maybe that's your decision today, just to start putting a little bit of money away, every paycheck, every opportunity. Maybe that's your response. Or maybe it's living within your means, or who knows? Maybe it's downsizing a little bit. Maybe it's going to that garage and saying, you know what, I, I haven't really touched this stuff for five years. There's a little website called eBay. And you could just sell a bunch of stuff and clear the clutter. It's amazing how that feels and get a little cash coming your way. What's your response today? I pray that you'll have the courage to do that. This two-part series is a brief summary of Mark's recent book on this important topic. Visit markconnor.com.au for details.